Energy estimates project America to be among the leaders in energy consumption for years to come. Coupled with our dependence on modern chemicals, there's a lot of room for us to improve our approach to environmental responsibility. From waste disposal to indoor air pollution, how can we make this change? You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, Professor of Surgery and Practicing General Surgeon. Our guests are Mr. Gary Cohen, Co-Executive Director of Healthcare Without Harm, an international campaign in support of environmentally responsible healthcare, and Dr. Ted Shuttler, Science Director of the Science and Environmental Health Network and Science Advisor to Healthcare Without Harm. We are discussing environmentally responsible projects in healthcare. Gentlemen, have you found that in most hospitals, they're doing the basics in terms of recycling, energy saving, uh, even solar panels, things like that? No, I think healthcare is at a very early stage in its sustainability path. Many hospitals have moved away from some of the most egregious practices, like they no longer, for the most part, burn their medical waste and create pollution in that way. They, for the most part, are no longer using uh, mercury-based thermometers and this kind of stuff. But there's a long way to go in terms of getting a better handle on their energy use, moving toward more renewable sources, and creating healthier environments for their workers and their patients. Why? Because I think that the information has been slow to get to them. Certainly within the medical professional education, there's very little information about the links between environmental contaminants and human health impacts, which is a problem. The second problem has been there hasn't been sufficient leadership at the top of many of these healthcare organizations where they see, they've seen environmental issues as marginal to their mission. And third is that there has been a perception that addressing some of these environmental health issues is more costly to them. Well, do you think we're moving forward? Uh, we're definitely moving forward. There's been a real sea change during the duration of our work over the last 12 years, especially in the last couple of years. There's a, an amazing transformation of consciousness about the importance of the environment as it impacts on all of our lives. And I think the work that Al Gore has done around bringing home awareness around global warming has been a really important factor. I think the other factor has been a lot of efforts by nonprofit organizations and scientific organizations around the country to educate people about the links between environmental exposures and disease. Those have been really important factors. The rising cost of gasoline, the war in Iraq, all these things have created a perfect storm to bring about a much greater consciousness around environmental health issues in our society. You've mentioned so many areas with waste disposal, food production and distribution, mercury, toxicity. Uh, how do we make our priorities? This is Ted Shuttler. I, I actually think that we need to think about this from a systemic point of view. Uh, and it's been one of the great delights of my work in this, is, this area is to begin to think about this collection of factors that you've mentioned as an ecological system and start to recognize that we can begin to address multiple problems with single interventions, for example, and in that way begin to think as ecologists 
as opposed to thinking in the more reductionist way that many of us have been taught. So, for example, if we think about ways of transforming the industrial agricultural food system so that we continue to produce food, but in ways that are not as dependent on chemicals that are derived from fossil fuels, we're bringing more nutritious food into people in hospitals, but also into the communities, raised in a more sustainable way that begins then to address some of the land issues and the degradation of soils and rivers that are all a result of the current agricultural model. And so we begin to see how we can actually address health concerns in people at the same time we're addressing some of the ecological degradation that's going on in the food-producing areas of our country. Well, gentlemen, uh, let me ask you a uh, practical question. Can we really do this? Uh, I I don't know that the question is so much that can we do it as uh, can we not do it. One of the things that we've learned here in the last few years is that the systems that we have built are, are built on a bubble of assumptions that is about to burst. Cheap fuel, plentiful water, and climate stability. And all of those things are now starting to crumble before our eyes. And our entire medical system is built on those same assumptions, just as our industrial agricultural system is. And I actually think that we're obligated to make the changes that are going to begin to deflate this inexorable growth that's going on in medicine that we simply cannot sustain. We all know that we're headed for an economic cliff here. That seems clear. And so I think the real issue is we can't afford not to make these changes. And on the other side of these changes is a world that really has a lot of really very positive features that we should actually look forward to rather than dreading these changes. On the other hand, if we wait and let circumstances simply drive our agenda, then there are going to be winners and losers. And I think it's not going to be nearly as pretty a sight as it might be if we consciously begin to address some of these systemic issues in a very proactive way with a broad group of participants. If you have just joined us, you are listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, and our guests today are Mr. Gary Cohen, Co-Executive Director of Healthcare Without Harm, an international campaign in support of environmentally responsible health care, and Dr. Ted Shuttler, Science Director of the Science and Environmental Health Network and Science Advisor to Healthcare Without Harm. We are discussing environmentally responsible projects in healthcare. Gentlemen, we're talking about different aspects of healthcare pollution, that being indoor air pollution with pesticides, disinfectants, fragrances, flame retardants, electronics. Where do you stand with all of these different areas? Well, with respect to indoor air quality, I think that we are now coming to a scientific consensus that indoor air is often more contaminated than outdoor air. The learning curve is a bit behind on indoor air. We know more about the contaminants outside than we do inside, but we're quickly catching up. And there's no question that the indoor air is contaminated with quite an interesting witch's brew of chemicals that creates very unique and interesting health risks that we can easily address by 
beginning to look at those sources and transforming them into sources that are not releasing these chemicals. What are some of those sources? Well, we could start with the building materials themselves. There are chemicals in those materials that don't stay there, but they are emitted into the indoor air. Then there are furnishings that are in buildings, like the furniture or the office equipment, copiers and toners that are put into copy machines, for example. There are, of course, the cleaning chemicals that you mentioned. There are pesticides. In hospitals, there are sterilants and disinfectants that add to this mix. And when scientists start to analyze the mixture, and they find very interesting things. They find, for example, that the indoor air is like a test tube where unique chemical reactions are actually occurring that are synthesizing new and unique chemicals that we didn't even know about before. Are the hospitals and healthcare institutions overwhelmed by all of this? Hospitals have felt that they need really clear direction about what they need to do to make a change and to put it into an operations plan that makes sense. What we've grown to do over the last bunch of years is to say, rather than addressing one chemical, for example, at a time, why not get the hospital system to develop an overarching safer chemicals policy for themselves so that the message to the marketplace for all these different products that they're buying can be that here are the set of bad actor chemicals that we don't want in our products, chemicals that are linked to cancer, chemicals that are linked to reproductive problems or birth defects, chemicals that are linked to mutagenicity, chemicals that last a long time in the environment or build up on our bodies, they can start to now put out this message to the broad marketplace to say, give us products that don't have these chemicals in it, and we'll buy those. Some of the critics say, why don't you do more to cure illness and spend less time on environmental initiatives? What would each of you say to this? Well, there are a number of responses to that. I think the economic argument is is certainly to be made that uh, primary prevention is ultimately cheaper than treating and curing disease. I think there's also an equity issue that we need to think about. If we allow conditions to continue to exist that are making people sick, but don't at the same time make available to people from all walks of life equal access to medical care, then we've really created uh, some inequities that we have a responsibility to address. I think you can look at this from a moral perspective. You can look at it from an economic perspective. And you can look at it from an ecological perspective. I think there is little doubt that we are destroying the life support systems on the planet that allow us to live here the way we do. My comment is based on the analysis of the United Nations in their Millennium Assessment, which they published a couple of years ago. So this isn't something that I just dreamed up. We really are at a crucial turning point now in human history where we need to be paying a lot of attention to the life support systems uh, on the planet to allow human life to go on as we know it. I would add that part of what we're realizing is that in countries in which the government takes responsibility for the health of its citizens, thinking of countries like Sweden and Denmark and Canada, there's a strong self-interest in preventing disease. And the, and the medical systems are more oriented toward preventing disease. In the United States, a lot of our financing is completely out of whack because we're actually rewarding physicians and hospitals for interventions, for operations, 
for long-term disease management. And what we really should be doing is rewarding people for prevention. You know, if you want to get reimbursed for educating somebody about how to prevent their diabetes from accelerating through diet uh, interventions, through exercise interventions, perhaps you can get $500 worth of reimbursement. But if you don't do that and you wait five years and you have to amputate one of their limbs, then you'll get $5,000 worth of reimbursements. There's something really, really wrong with that kind of system. I want to thank our guests, Mr. Gary Cohen and Dr. Ted Shuttler. We've been discussing environmentally responsible projects in healthcare. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Be sure to visit our website at ReachMD.com, featuring on-demand podcasts of our entire library. For comments and questions, please call us toll-free at 888-MD-XM-157. And thank you for listening.